What's your dream? What's your goal? What's your motivation? What's important to you? What's your passion? What can you do to change the world? This is What's Involved. Conversations with thought leaders and change makers from around the world. Hear stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate people like you to live your life, find your passion, and live your dream. Together, we can all bring positive change to our world. Now, here's your host, David Watts. And once again, it is What's Involved. Great to have you along with us. i got a special guest tonight, and uh, I've been having, uh, I've been looking forward to having a chat to him for a while now because hopefully he's going to be able to answer all sorts of digital marketing questions uh, that I have. Who is he? He is uh, none other than uh, awesome Aslam. And uh, well, he's done a lot, okay? But uh, I suppose most importantly, he is uh, the uh, founder and and, uh, visionary that is Solutions 8, and it's a Google Ads agency. He does a lot of other things as well, and we'll get into those. Uh, but first and foremost, let me say welcome to you, Kosum. How good to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Fantastic. Now, when we, when we get into, into this whole thing, what I like to ask my guests generally uh, is just to give me a little bit of, of background, because um, I, I, I see... Um, on one of the uh, on, on your webpage, I believe it was um, that uh, in 2006 the seed of Solutions Eight was planted, um, and then uh, underneath that it says before it promptly burned to the ground in the financial collapse a year later. Uh, <laughs> so that sounds fascinating. Talk to me. Who is Corsum? I'm a failed entrepreneur that's failed at just about everything twice. And I think that's what makes me a good marketer. I think the best marketers are are really good failures. Uh, And I'd actually challenge anybody listening, anytime you meet a digital marketer, if you dig into their past, even just a little bit, you'll find out that they've probably failed epically two or three times at other things. And then digital marketing is where they landed. Uh, And nobody ever sets out to do this job. So (laughs) whatever that says about our industry, that that has proven to be true in, in my experience anyway. Fantastic. Now, you've had quite a journey, though, yourself, and, and you talk about landing up in this, this industry. Give me some history. I mean, you know, what is, what is your background, and how did you end up with one of the top uh, Google ad agencies in the world? Yeah, I had a, uh, a business called KPO Global. KPO stands for Knowledge Process Outsourcing. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor, and uh, I still needed to, you know, pay rent and eat, and so I thought I'd start a business that I could do from anywhere. And I started uh, KPO Global with the idea that I would just take work and outsource it to Pakistan. I have family in Pakistan and labor there is cheap. And um, I tried a bunch of different things. I tried medical transcription, legal transcription. They failed to make any money. Software development, that was tough. Uh, Web development. Um, And for a while there, we ended up being a, a solid little software firm, mostly because a friend of my dad's, uh, introduced me to a gentleman that, that was a, a pretty high level banker. And so just, you know, <laughs> thanks to nepotism, I ended up having the opportunity to build some banking software. And, um, I was officing out of first national bank of Arizona. They were my largest client. 
And uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Big Short, but that that's the bank the movie's about. They never say the name of the bank, but it's the bank that brought down Lehman Brothers. Um, I was there on bank failure Friday when the FDIC pulled in with their big black SUVs and started kicking down doors. And um, it was interesting to see. I was I was on the literal ground floor of the financial collapse. And none of us knew, at least I didn't know, what that meant at the time. But it was the very first domino to fall. Um, and my business immediately went under on the heels of that. Um, so I ended up, you know, broke. I, I lived in an apartment building that I could only afford to get into because they were offering three months free if you sign an 18-month lease. I was trolling Costco for free tryouts on the weekends to eat. It was, it was pretty bad. It was pretty rough. Uh, but that might have been the best thing that's ever happened to me as an entrepreneur because um, I learned a lot of really important lessons. The, the first and most important one, I think, is that um, if you're going to be an, an entrepreneur, you have to get really good at the game of money. And, you know, you can play money for optics or you can play money for proficiency. And when I was a kid, I was playing money for optics. I had, you know, the, the house on the hill and the idiot's car, and I always picked up the check and um, that all goes away really quickly. So having a second try is something I'm super grateful for. And I've learned a lot from it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. And then, then as you were talking, I was thinking a little bit about some of my journey as well. And yeah, it's amazing when you, when you've, when you've got the cash and you define yourself uh, by the price of your toys, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you've got lots of friends, lots of people yep. think you're fantastic. Uh, and when that goes away, um, you find what sticks tends to be real. <laughs> so on that note though, how, why digital marketing, why Google, Google ads, because to me, and, and I am primarily a, a broadcaster and a podcaster um, and we do a lot of work in the, the uh, educational side of things where we, we uh, run a website for uh, a company that uh, creates and publishes all of these school books, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and to me, this, this entire world, and let, let me lay cards on the table here. Um, I, in a sense, I may be way too old for this because I'm in my 50s already. Uh, and to me, it is, I don't know, I'm lost. I'm totally lost. I mean, I've tried uh, Google AdWords before and it just uh, came back and bit me in the butt. Google was happy to take my money, though. Yeah, they're, they're always happy to take your money. Um, digital marketing wasn't anything that I got into by intention. Um, when I was originally building software, one of the questions people would ask when you're done building a big software application or a big website is, you know, what do I do now? How do I market it? And in the beginning, my answer was always, I don't know, you know, <laughs> best of luck to you. And it, it, I only had to hear that question a couple of times until I saw the opportunity. And so we bolted on um, almost as a side gig, the marketing facet or marketing piece. And uh, what's interesting about it though, is I was chasing great big software projects, you know, six and seven figure projects. Um, but those come at intervals and sometimes those intervals aren't as regular as you would like. The thing that I liked about marketing was, you know, somebody's paying me, it's a thousand bucks a month, which, you know, that's not necessarily tax relevant, but I get that every single month and it just, it just keeps landing. And, um, I got to the point where I'd rather have a client pay me a thousand dollars a month than a 30 grand software build. Um, because the 30 grand software build was a great big headache. And, you know, 30 days later, you were out hunting for the next software build and your, your cogs narrowed down your margin anyway. And, um, 
So the, the, the transition was just really, I think, based off of laziness more than anything. And I didn't want to niche down into Google. I, I brought in a business partner. We, my, my agency is called Solutions 8 because we had eight core service offerings because I'm an idiot and we thought we could be good at everything. So we were doing, you know, web and software and content and SEO and video production. I had a videographer on staff. We had a green screen studio. And uh, I brought in a gentleman who's now my business partner at the time. He was an employee and he's the one that identified everybody that's successful long-term is successful with Google ads first. And the reason for that is pretty obvious. When you run Google ads, we're throwing you into the Coliseum with all of your competitors and seeing whether or not you survive. So Google ads helps us see, is your message something that will resonate with your market? Are you charging enough money to, to actually pay for the traffic? Um, is what you're billing reasonable? Can you be competitive? Does your sales team work? Is your website functional, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a great big litmus test and it happens very quickly. And so um, my now business partner said, everybody who's successful is successful with this with Google ads we should start with Google. So we didn't set out to niche down and do a Google ads only agency. Instead, we used Google to decide which clients to invest in ourselves. And over time we realized, gosh, we're just really damn good at this Google thing. And so um, I, I was dragged along kicking and screaming, but we ended up niching down into Google specifically. And we're now the number one ranked Google ads agency on the planet. Um, at the time of this recording, if you search for Google ads agency anywhere in the world, I come up before Google, um, which is something I'm pretty proud of. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Um, I want to dive a little bit more into this. Uh, so uh, if we can uh, just have a, a quick break and uh, we'll be back with uh, Kosum, uh and chatting a little bit more about this weird and wonderful thing called Google and Google Ads. This is What's Involved. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. We'll be back in just a bit. Hey, like what you're hearing? Share the podcast with your family and friends and spread the word. This is What's Involved. And we're back. My special guest, Kosum Aslam. Um, and uh, we're talking Google and Google ads and digital marketing, I think, in general, um, although you've, you've said already now that uh, Google ads is, is the way to go. Um, we're based and I'm based in, in South Africa. Um, so, you know, Google ads isn't always the, the easiest thing for us in terms of uh, money and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But over the last while, I deal a lot with, with entrepreneurs and small to medium companies, uh, not necessarily the big uh, global ones and multinationals. And something that consistently comes back to me is we lost. We don't, we don't understand because one person will say Google AdWords. The other says SEO. And then yet another one says, don't, don't waste your time with that. TikTok is the way to go. How do we begin to navigate um, as a small or a medium business, how do we navigate this this minefield? My dad's from Pakistan, and he's got a bunch of old folksy Pakistani sayings that don't make any sense unless you want to spend some time thinking about them. Um, but one of my favorite, and I'm going to butcher it, but he says something like, the lamb should never ask the lion what's for dinner. Um, <laughs> and, and what I think that means is if you're asking somebody who runs Google ads, what you should do for marketing, that person's going to say Google ads, and then you're going to go ask the SEO and they're going to say SEO. Um, and what's interesting is they're all right and they're all wrong. My very strong advice to everybody, especially small businesses, big businesses that have a budget or have some time, the advice changes a little bit and we can get into that. 
But for small businesses, I wouldn't spend any money on marketing at all, period, in the very beginning. Um, I think the the most important thing you can do for marketing when you're, um, and when I'm saying small, I'm saying, you know, let's say sub 1 million in gross revenue, um, which I'm speaking in US terms. So whatever that that transition would be um, or whatever the analogous size business would be. But for us, that usually means, hey, you don't really have a marketing budget. Um, and the most important thing you can do for yourself is community building. And it's value first, feet on the street. You know, it's the equivalent of door knocking, but just digital. And you'll find there are unbelievable opportunities to provide value to your customer without spending any money. And, you know, it could be as simple as um, responding to Reddit threads or Quora or finding a Facebook group of, you know, like you might say, oh, I help, uh, I'm a medical um, device salesperson and, you know, I help chiropractors with specific medical devices. Well, how many freaking Facebook and LinkedIn groups are there with chiropractors that you could jump into those groups and now don't go be, you know, a, a, a sleazy salesperson, provide value and provide epic amounts of value or start a YouTube channel or start your own Instagram page. So I don't think that the conduit matters at all. I don't think that, you know, Google is the end all be all, or, you know, Facebook is better than TikTok. I think it depends on your goal and your customer and your audience. If your audience is on TikTok, then go to TikTok. If your audience is on Facebook, then go to Facebook. I can pretty much guarantee your audience is on Google because it's so ubiquitous, but Google is one of the most expensive marketing channels in existence. And it's one of the most expensive because it, it works, you know, uh, work flows to the competent money flows to the competent and the market sets the rate. So Google is, I, I, I did a, an evaluation yesterday for a gentleman that does appliance repair. And he told me our, our cost per customer needs to be $30. And then I looked at the available data that Google provides us and the cost per click in his industry could be $80, $90. And he was in an, he had an inefficient model. And it's because all he was doing was, a, was repairing appliances. And when I go look at people that are bidding on appliance repair, they'll repair the appliance, sure. But what they really want to do is they want to sell you a new appliance. And they know if I sell you a fridge, I'm probably going to sell you a stove and a microwave and a dishwasher too. So what's really important before you run traffic is go out, get your feet wet, do it the hard way, and then learn your market. And when you learn your market, where to advertise becomes pretty obvious. My favorite story is um, out of Airbnb. The guy who started Airbnb went to Silicon Valley and was doing what you do in Silicon Valley and, you know, rubbing elbows and shaking hands and trying to raise money for his little startup. He had this little teeny tiny startup and he was only running out of New York City, out of Manhattan. And an investor that he was at dinner with, or so goes the story, um, started asking him all these questions about his market that the guy couldn't answer. And the guy realized, I don't know anything about my business. And so he left Silicon Valley, went to New York and started staying in the Airbnbs. He started staying with his customer because his customer at the time, you would think that your customer is the person renting the Airbnbs, but for Airbnb, their customer is the person rent, letting out their, their, their lot. And he was staying in all these, you know, homes or sleeping on people's couches and just getting to know him, just asking questions. And that's what really allowed him to put a finger to the pulse and, and get a sense as to who his market was and what his business was. So don't discount things like posting to Craigslist or going out on a, you know, Facebook groups or, or honestly, God forbid me saying this, but go knock on a door, go cold call somebody, um, do the, the organic guerrilla marketing first and, that should yield results as to where you should go next. But spending money on traffic is the very last thing I would tell anybody to do. And I own a paid traffic agency.
Which is, is, is one of the amazing things because one of the things that I've often been told is, you know, just buy traffic. You've got, you've got a product or whatever, buy traffic, um, you know, build it and they will come kind of thing. And now you're saying, no, not so much. You know, what's sad is it used to be true. So if you think about, you know, 2011 or 2012, whenever Facebook put ads in their newsfeed, the, the traffic was so inexpensive and it was so targeted that a if you knew what you were doing if you had any idea what was going on you truly could mint money and i saw it happen firsthand i saw people just i mean like hand over fist it was unbelievable and let's say you didn't know what you're doing there was so much margin for error that it was so forgiving because traffic was so cheap and targeting was so good well that that narrative has survived but it's not true it's the markets are, are too efficient and, you know, I mean, that was 10 years ago in that time, every single industry with very few exceptions has, has commoditized its, its traffic, its audience. Um, and you now kind of have to, you have to be good at this or, or you at a minimum have to work with somebody who's good at this, who, who knows what they're doing. And there are so many industries that, you know, for whatever reason, I think paying for traffic is actually a flawed model. I, I won't take residential realtors, for instance, anywhere in North America, there are more realtors in Los Angeles than there are houses for sale right now. Like it's insane. I also won't take general dentists um, because general dentistry, especially here in the States, there's a, there's a dentist on every single corner. You could have three or four dentists at one intersection, no joke. And they're all offering, uh, you know, your first cleaning and, and x-rays is free. So it's, well, how on earth could a person make money in that environment? Um, there's a bunch of industries that I look at and I'm like, you're just a snake eating its own tail. So, you know, you have to make sure that the industry that you're in is, is viable. And going back to the appliance repair folks, if you're, if you're, if you're repairing appliances, but the money is in selling appliances, then you need to modify your model. One, another really good example is I had a gentleman come to me who only sold life insurance. That was it. Well, the cost per click on life insurance was more than he would make for the life of the policy. And it's because all these larger insurance companies know if I get your life insurance, I'm also probably going to get your car, your home, your health, your umbrella, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're using life insurance as a, as a loss leader. So you've got to make sure that the business that you're in is, is actually viable from a digital perspective. Now the life insurance guy does really good at like BNI, you know, going to, to events, speaking maybe. So there's ways to make it work. But it's just like the stock market. The, the online traffic market sets the rate based off of what your competitors are willing to pay. And if your competitor is willing to pay more than you because they have a better monetization model, then you're, you're priced out entirely. Yeah. You know, I, 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 again, you know, this, this, this marketing and, and the way to market digitally is amazing. But you've given some incredibly sound advice. And one of the things I'd like to chat about when we uh, come back is if somebody's listening, they're a small business, a medium business, maybe even a mom and pop business, and they want to generate more business. Where are avenues that, that we can start and what do we look at? So we'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, my special guest, Kosum uh, Aslam, and he is from uh, a company called Solutions 8, and it is, because I did Google it, uh, the top Google ad agency in the world. So it's great to have him along with us. This is What's Involved. We'll be back in just a bit. We'll be right back with more What's Involved. David would love to hear from you. To leave a voice message, visit whatsinvolved.com and click 
drop me a voice note. And we're back. What's involved it is. Uh, my special guest is Kosim Aslam. And uh, we're talking, as I mentioned just before the break, like if people need to know this, because um, and the whole world, I think, in general, has been hit incredibly hard by the, the pandemic. Um, South Africa is no exception. A lot of people have, have had some really, really tough times. And now they're looking for a way forward. We're all told, depending on who you listen to, it's either the fourth industrial revolution or the fifth. Um, <laughs> and they don't know where to start. Where would be a good place to start to learn about this kind of stuff, digital marketing, Google, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to say something that might be a little petulant, David, so I hope you'll forgive me. Um, but, but I actually don't think that business owners should learn how to do this. Um, if I go to a mechanic, I drop my car off. I don't sit over his shoulder and, and watch him change my oil or, you know, modify the transmission. I have no idea how any of that stuff is done. Um, I'd go find an expert uh, and make sure that that expert is incentivized in a way that allows their profitability to be tied to your campaign's performance. Now that doesn't mean they're getting a, a percentage of profits. I don't work for a percentage of profits. I never have. Um, but our billing is structured in a way to where I only make money if you spend more and you're not going to spend more unless your campaigns are performing. Um, so you want to be able to tie campaign performance to the agency's profitability in some way. Uh, I also believe really strongly in strategic partnerships. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel by any means, but um, there's so many chances for you to go out there and find an audience, find a network, find a strategic partner that already has the eyes and ears that you want. Uh, an example I'll provide you is I own as something of a side hustle. It's, it's kind of a passion project. I'm obsessed with Montessori schools. And so me and my business partner created an agency specifically for Montessori schools called Nito Marketing. But it was difficult to go out to Montessori school owners because they're not exceptionally tech savvy. There wasn't a unified list. So we partnered with a gentleman named Matt Hillis who's basically Montessori royalty. His mom started the school in the seventies. He owns four schools. He was on the board of Ma, which is the Montessori administrators association, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Matt just opened up his Rolodex to us. And you know, there's 4,500 accredited Montessori schools in North America. I've got 4,300 of them on my list and most of them are customers. So ask yourself those questions. Like what's the easy button? Who can I partner with? Where can I go to make this you know, not difficult. And then if you really want to dig down into a specific strategy, let's say that you decided like, oh, Google ads is for me uh, or Facebook ads or, or whatever it ends up being. It's a meritocratic ecosystem, just like everything else. And there's generally two or three names at the very top that know what the hell they're doing. And then everybody else is just schlepping courses. Um, and so if you are going to go learn this <laughs> against my better advice, what I'd recommend doing is go learn it from people that are, that are actually doing it. Uh, so, you know, I've got a YouTube channel where we publish everything we do for free because it's my best lead generation source, but we don't even sell the courses. Uh, there's a guy named Ed Leak. Ed out of, uh, he's out of the UK and Ed's one of the best Google ads people that I know. He's my direct competitor, but he's, he's brilliant, super high, you know, uh, uh, integrity. And Ed doesn't take clients on anymore, but he still runs Google ads regularly. There's a guy out of the UK, Uzair Karwala, um, same thing, they, but they, they're doing it. They're doing it day to day. So contrast them to hundreds, if not thousands of these charlatans that are just schlepping courses. Do not buy any courses, any digital marketing, anything from people that don't do it day to day. I don't care if they did it a year ago. It changes. 
Google changes on a daily basis. So does Facebook. So does Instagram. So does SEO. So does content marketing. So if you're going to go learn from somebody, learn from somebody that's actually doing it. And what's really counterintuitive about that is the people that are doing it tend not to be the best course creators. Their courses aren't as polished. You know, their presentation probably isn't a good. They don't have the ivory tower, whatever, beautiful Kajabi site, but their content's going to be way, 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 way better. So the bar that you need to set is, do you do this actively now? And are you successful at it? And if so, then their education is probably worth it. And generally speaking, by the way, their education is less. I give all my stuff away for free. Ed's uh, membership is like, it's unreal how inexpensive it is. Um, but then you've got people that want, you know, $50,000 to join their mastermind and they haven't run Google ads in years. Yeah. Let's not even get me started on that because when I started years ago and I was, I was looking to learn so that I could understand how this, this all worked. Um, and I got uh, sucked into that deep, dark underbelly of online marketing. And I cannot tell you how much of my hard-earned money I spent initially on absolute crap. And I was. I was looking for the quick fix. I have come to the conclusion there isn't one. It's, there's no template. Um, you've actually just got to, got to get out there and, and, and learn. Now, I find it amazing that you say a lot of your stuff is, is available on your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Do we, do we just uh, look up Kosum Aslam? Yeah, look up Solutions Aid on YouTube. Um, you can look me up by name as well. If you can't find me, don't listen to anything that I'm saying because that means that I'm not very good at what I'm doing. <laughs> um, speaking of which, and, and, and let's uh, move on there a little, a little bit as well. Um, you've also got a book out, and I must be honest, I only found out about the book once uh, I got talking to your guys about maybe having you as a guest on my show. Um, and uh, it's, it looks absolutely fantastic. I haven't had a chance to dive into it yet, uh, but it is the seven critical principles of effective digital marketing. So why, why the book? Honestly, I just wanted to say that I was an author. Um, I, have, I have the sad, pathetic passion that, uh, or personality trait that likes attention. And so I like speaking. I like podcasts. I like interviews. And you don't get good speaking gigs unless you're an author. So I, I, uh, I, I woke up early every morning and I wrote a thousand words a day. And I did that for 90 days. And then 90,000 words became 60 after editing. And that was my book. But I really, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't phone it in. It was the best I could have done at the time. I was, I was pretty proud of it. Um, I think if somebody were to read the book, they only really need to read the first half. The second half is written more to the agency owner, but the first half is written to, to anybody, a business owner or otherwise. And it's, it's distilled in a way that I hope is timeless. So I didn't go into, um, tactics, you know, uh, uh, hacks. It was more, principle centered. I, I took a note out of Stephen Covey's um, seven habits, which you'll notice is also where I stole my title. Um, and it's, it's, I think pretty linear, you know, pretty, pretty accessible, I guess, is maybe a better word. Um, the, the, the first three principles are the most important principle. One is empathize. If you don't empathize with your prospect, what I tell people, I actually prefer the word love to be honest with you, but love turns a lot of people off because it has so many, you know, neuroassociative conditioning. But if you don't love the person that you're marketing to, you don't deserve to serve them. 
You have to get to know these people to a point to where you truly fall in love with them. And you've seen businesses and, and agencies and marketers that, that have a disdain for their clientele. And sometimes it can be successful in the short term, but I think that it's a, it's a violently flawed model. So principle number one is empathy. Principle number two is give value first. Uh, and it's actually, it expands in subsequent chapters. It's give first, give last, last give more. Um, and you just want to give as much as you possibly can. Give to where people are overwhelmed. And then principle three is learn, apply, and innovate because everything changes You know, everybody wants to know like, Oh, how do I, how do I do the thing? And it's like, well, if it was easy enough for me to tell you, I wouldn't tell you, I would just go do it and make money. <laughs> you know, like if there were an easy button, we'd all be hitting it. So, um, be, be used to being an ongoing student. And if you can get really comfortable there, I think you're going to be successful as a marketer and successful as an entrepreneur. Um, but if you're not comfortable there, then, then, then take a long, hard look at what it is that you're doing, because um, this is probably not the place for you. Uh, you could have been an entrepreneur 50 years ago without being a perpetual student. That's not the case any longer. Uh, it's, it's an absolute, complete and total prerequisite. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, you know what, I, and I hope when I get to read this book that um, your uh, the writing in the book is similar to what you've got on your Amazon page where you've got a note from the author and it starts off by saying, oh, look, you're reading the synopsis. That means I've got another sentence or two before you get bored and jump ship. And so <laughs> it goes. Um, and I just, I thought that was amazing because um, at the best of times, I, I, I have ADD. So at the best of times, you know, I can, I can start off wanting to write an article and end up um, watching a video on the mating habits of the lesser spotted wombat or something. So Love that. Love what you do over there. Um, the other thing, though, is uh, not only do you, you you do this, and I'm going to ask you in just a bit how you fit it all in, but uh, podcasting. You mentioned you love talking and you love podcasting. And uh, I've got to say, um, one of the things that I think I'm incredibly privileged to do um, is to be on radio and to have a podcast. And, you know, people say to me, oh, it's so great. And yes, you know what? My aim every single time I get a guest, I talk to a guest is how can I add value to my listener? But there's also uh, an element of selfishness in there because I learn and I love learning. So we'll get onto the podcast, but uh, when we come back, my special guest, Korsam Aslam. And uh, man, it's great talking to you. What a man. Love it. We'll be back in just a bit. This is What's Involved. This is What's Involved. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. More next. And we're back with what's involved on my special guest, uh, Kosim Aslam. And uh, he is, amongst other things, you know, best-selling author, speaker, uh, Google Ad Agency Solutions 8. He owns that. Where do you find the time to do all of it? And where do podcasts fit in? <laughs> uh, I've got two podcasts, actually. I'm the, the co-host for Perpetual Traffic, um, which is... I think we're in the top half a percent of podcasts worldwide. So we're, we're pretty big as far as podcasts are concerned, 300,000 downloads a month. Um, it's not my property though. It's this digital marketers property. And they just asked me to, to be a part of it. Uh, the main host over there is Ralph Burns. And the joke that I like to say is he's Conan O'Brien and I'm the little fat guy that sits on Conan's couch and I make jokes every now and again. Um, and then I've got our own podcast at solutions eight. It's just called the Google ads podcast. And that's, that's truly repurposed content. I shoot one video every single day for my YouTube channel. And then 
my buddy Hector, who's our podcast producer, probably one of the best podcast producers I've ever known. Um, he takes the content on our YouTube channel, finds what has had the highest engagement and then, um, modifies the audio for podcasting. And that's a, a pro tip that I'll offer everybody is repurposing your content. If you create one video, that video can become um, snippets. So I take the videos that we shoot and they become 60 second snippets for TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, then the video you can uh, uh, cut up into um, you know, tweets, Facebook posts. Um, it can become a blog. It can become a podcast. Uh, it can become a power page. Um, and we've got a whole team on our staff that, um, you know, people are, are dedicated to various endeavors, but they're using the content we create, uh, for those endeavors. And so you know, creating content is the hardest part it, by far, you know, ideation, creativity, all those things that, that takes the most juice by far. So once content is created, then go invest in that content, invest in repurposing it, putting it in different, in different mediums, because people are going to want to engage with it differently. And um, you want to make sure that you maximize the value of that content. You know, I'm, I'm turning a delicate shade of green as, as I'm talking to you and you're talking about the team and what the guys do. Um, here I'm sitting on the dark continent of Africa. It's a, a, a rather chilly winter's evening. And I am it. I am the ideas guy. I am the voice. I am the editor. <laughs> So, yeah, little little bit green, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> of course, I'm, a question, though, in terms of, of podcasting, and this is what I hope to achieve um, with this one, um, and hopefully I am on the way to, to achieving that. Um, in terms of being a business owner, um, how valuable in your marketing mix are podcasts? Good question. I don't have a, an, I don't have a solid method of attribution for podcasting. Like I can tell you all of the leads that come from my YouTube channel or from our Google ads account or from our Facebook or from our display remarketing, um, because they're easily attributed, um, with podcasts. They're for me more brand building. And I know we get leads from podcasts because I'll have people say, you know, oh, yeah, I heard, I heard this episode episode. I heard what you said at this time, um, but they're, they're much more difficult to track. Um, what I do like though, is I, I use them on both ends of the sales cycle. It's not just about attracting new customers. It's about taking, you know, prospects that come in through a different conduit and then helping to manage their expectations. And so, you know, somebody comes in with an e-commerce site and they want me to run ads. My sales team might send them a podcast that we've done recently on Google's new performance max product because it lets them know, Hey, everything's changed. And the way you think you want to run your ads is wrong. And if you don't agree with this podcast, maybe we're not the right fit. So I really like, um, I like the opportunity to educate the industry at large, let's say, uh, because I feel like it puts me in a position of, you know, selling with integrity. So if you're going to launch a podcast, I wouldn't do so with the intention of attracting new customers. I think that's ancillary, but I would, I would launch a podcast with the intention of building a library of content that gives you, gives you the ability to educate existing prospects. And then the new customers will come by proxy. Yeah. Great point that, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think that would be something I would say to people as well. Like if you're wanting to start a podcast to, to become wealthy overnight um rather go and do something else because 
podcasting. I think, and that that I think is what draws me to this medium as opposed to to radio. I've been in radio for thirty odd years, um, but this this particular medium of podcasting is just the fact that you're building up a library, and if you do it properly, a library of really valuable content and insights and information that will, in my case at least, hopefully it'll outlive me, and and people will still find value. Uh, along the way. Now, we've talked about this and you've done, you've done a lot. Where do you fit in, in, in family? Because I notice uh, quite often you speak about the importance of family. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a mastermind called Front Row Dads actually. And um, it's one of the best things I've ever done for myself. And that their, their slogan is we're, we're family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. Um, and that's been really important to me. I've got two little boys. They're five and seven. I've got a beautiful wife. Uh, I work from home. Um, I've never missed a soccer game. I've never missed a piano recital. I you know, spend most evenings with them. I travel a little bit, but even then, uh, I make sure that they're sort of at the forefront of everything. And I don't feel like I've sacrificed a thing. I don't feel like, you know, I mean, maybe I could have made a little more money, let's say, but I've got some buddies that you know, do the 80 hour a week thing. I, I played that game in my twenties, but as soon as I had kids, man, it was just, it wasn't worth it. Um, and, and I don't believe that you're, that you're truly any more efficient up to a certain point, or at least I'm not, I wouldn't be. Um, I think refilling your cup and giving yourself the opportunity to engage with, you know, a little person who, who doesn't give a shit how much, how much money you make, or the <laughs> fact that you've got 70 employees or, um, that you've got a top podcast, like my kids do not care. And that's, that's really helpful too to be around. Um, there's something about it that's really grounding. So I like the I don't I don't know who this quote should be attributed to, but it, you know, uh, he who has a why can endure anyhow. I think that might be Viktor Frankl, um, but it doesn't have to be kids. But I think people need to to really hunt down their why because entrepreneurial endeavors are hard. You know, starting a business is hard. Employing people is hard, and it can just be money, you know, like, I mean, if, if you get to the other end, I've gotten, I've gotten, I've, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. I was raised by a blind single mother on social security in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We were welfare babies and, you know, the highest crime rate in the nation. Um, and I always thought like, Oh, as soon as I get money, I'm going to be happy. And, and there's no threshold for that. Cause first you're like, Oh, I just need, I need six figures, you know, here in the States, especially that's what everybody's goal is. Oh, I just want a six figure income. And then you get a six figure income and you're like, well, I'm not really happy yet. So it's like, well, I really like six figures, but I need like 10 grand a month. And then I'm not happy. And then it's like, well, I need a million dollars. And then I'm not happy. And then it's like, well, I need, and, 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 you know, so on and so forth. And you finally get to a point to where I think as soon as your basic needs are satiated, because there's something to be said for that for sure. And I'm not trying to dismiss people who, who have that struggle. But as soon as your basic needs are satiated, I, the goal can't be money. Um, and so for me, my, my goal is my kiddos. And um, I think they make everything I do better and stronger. Yeah, no, listen, it, and, and, and it comes through. And, and I love what, you, what you're just saying now, because so many times, and, and maybe, you know, in terms of, of cutting edge technology or whatever the case may be, South Africa is, is a bit behind the States. But, uh, you know, money, money, like some people say that if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to suffer. There's a, there's a mate of mine who's an incredibly successful uh, real estate agent and, and he does property development. 
And he says, there's no such thing as work-life balance. You've got to work. You've got to put in the hours. It's the sweat of your brow. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, no, but surely there's got to be some fun, some passion, some love involved somewhere in this equation. So uh, I think it's fantastic that you say that. And, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, I used to measure myself worth by my toys and the price of my toys, et cetera, et cetera, lost everything. I'm now probably making less money than I have before, but I am as happy as a lark. I get up in the morning and I thoroughly love what I do. And it sounds to me, even though it's uh, Google ads that you guys, it sounds like you're happy as well. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is I, I, I speak negatively of Google ads in some contexts just because the industry is so fraught with uh, charlatans, but I actually love what I do. I love data-driven marketing. I like making business. I have 200 clients, a um, little more than that now. And, and it's, it's fun when I'm the reason that they're in business. And that's happened a couple of times, not every time, but we've had a few people tell us like, man, we just wouldn't have made it without you guys. Um, and even when we're not the reason they're in business, it's fun when we, you know, we have a, a client, yellow leaf hammocks. And when you go look up yellow leaf hammocks, I think they're on shark tank if, if memory serves, but they take women in Thailand who are, um, in horrible conditions and, um, they teach them a trade. They teach them how to, how to sew these hammocks. And they take these women out of, you know, working 12 hour days, seven days a week. Um, they put them in a position to work a normal nine to five. The kids get to go to school. The moms are no longer stressed. Like they massively improve their quality of life. And I think to date, they've taken a couple hundred women out of poverty and out of extreme poverty too. And what's cool about that is, is it's our ad campaign that's feeding not all, but a lot of their, their customer acquisition. So I, you know, I just think stuff like that is, um, it's fun to be a part of. I don't, I don't take any, any more credit than I think we're due, which is probably a fraction of a percent. You know, these are the folks that are doing all the, all the good work. But um, I think that there's an entrepreneurial solution to every problem. I think that entrepreneurs are the unsung heroes of the world. Um, and it, what I do for a living is fun because I get to serve entrepreneurs. And entrepreneurs are my favorite people. I think they're, I think they're modern day superheroes. Uh, and there's you know, 199 other stories just like Yellow Leaf Hammocks. And I would agree with you there. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I do what I do, why we do what we do is, is eventually you get to a stage where it becomes about serving and about adding value. So wonderful stuff. Um, of course, I'm about to wrap up now. So one last question before I let you go, what's next for Kosum Aslam? I want to start a business, uh, a coaching program called 3X Freedom. And I want to teach people how to achieve financial freedom, time freedom, and location freedom. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to do this, but I know that I'm going to do it. So that's, you know, at some point when I find the time, that's my next endeavor. Well, listen, if, uh, if, if you need any sort of beta tests or whatever, I will sign up right away. Um, I'd, I'd love to to get involved in something like that and uh, be able to pass it on uh, to some of our listeners here in South Africa. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're a busy man and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget that book. It's available on, uh, I'm assuming most digital platforms, uh, um, Amazon, Kindle, it's there. It's called The Seven Critical Principles of Effective Digital Marketing. Um, and also, if you want to find out a little bit more, uh, just check out uh, Solutions 8, 
they are the Google Ads agency. Go check out some of uh, the wonderful um, uh, YouTube stuff that they've got as well. I can see I've clearly used my quota of words for the day. Uh, Kosum, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, David. Appreciate you. There we go. That uh, wraps it up for what's involved this edition. And uh, to each and every one of you, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to What's Involved. We hope this episode inspires you to find your passion and live your dream. Don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast. And to see what's happening, what's going on, and what's coming, follow What's Involved on Facebook and Twitter at What's Involved. Thanks again for listening.